you do find the theme of the dying and rising God. You do find the theme of the Virgin Mother. You do find the theme of the Queen of Heaven. You do find the theme of the King of Heaven. You do find the theme of the God who comes to earth, the hero who overcomes evil. You, you find all these themes in ancient myth and ancient literature. And I believe that the Old Testament stories did this as well. Welcome to Faith and Culture, a production of the Augustine Institute. Every week, we explore the glory of the Catholic faith and the beauty of Catholic culture. And now, here's the host of Faith and Culture, Joseph Pierce. Hello, I'm Joseph Pierce, and welcome to another Faith and Culture podcast with the Augustine Institute. My guest is a returning guest that we've had on the on the Faith and Culture podcast several times before, Father Dwight Longenecker. Father Dwight, welcome. Thank you very much. Father Dwight, for those of you who don't know, is a pastor, blogger, speaker, convert to the faith, and last but hopefully not least, a very good friend of mine. And today, we're going to be discussing mythology and the Bible. Now, uh, obviously, in the modern understanding of the word, the word myth is sometimes seen as being synonymous with a lie. Right. Um, and of course, there'll be some atheists that say that the Bible is a lie. Um, but when we're talking about the mythology in the Bible, we're not speaking about either myth or the Bible as being a lie, are we? Uh, can you explain exactly what we mean by myth in the context of the Bible? Yeah, myth is probably one of the most misunderstood <laughs> terms in in the popular culture, but also within the realm of literature, it's it's misunderstood and it's misapplied. I can remember when I was a theological student in Oxford, there was a book that came out, and this would have been the early 1980s, which which was called the Myth of God Incarnate, and a lot of theologians were talking about the mythological elements of the gospel story. Now. This all was woven into some of the theology from the early to the mid-20th century in which the modernist theologians tried to demythologize the Bible. And Rudolf Bultmann and, and his followers, they were attempting to make the Christian story palatable for modern people who couldn't believe in miracles and, and so forth. And so they said, you know, modern people can't believe all that miraculous stuff. That's all mythological. We're going to remove the myth from it, but leave the meaning. So the way they did this was they said, for instance, the thing about Jesus walking on the water, you know, we know Jesus didn't really walk on the water. So we're going to remove the mythological element, but we're going to say that that is basically a story about the importance for faith and how it's important to step out of the boat and where you're secure to walk in with Jesus. So it's sort of it's de descended from being a myth, i.e. a story, a true story, we would say, to being merely a metaphor. Yes, it was only a metaphor. It was a, a it was a fable. It was a pretty story to make a, a theological or spiritual point. So the demythologizers were trying to do that and <laughs> like all of Satan's tricks, um it it feels at first like it's actually could be true, mm -hmm. but then when you the push half it, truth. Yes. yeah, the half truth, and then you push it and say, "Well, hang on, not quite." Right. And this whole area, therefore, of myth and the interaction of myth 
with the Bible and with the historical Christianity is is, is really intriguing and I think really interesting. Well, should we before we before we get into uh, the, should we say the myth the, the true mythological dimension of the Bible? Uh, perhaps we should talk about uh, what we mean by myth. If we don't mean myth as something which is untrue, in other words, this myth is being synonymous with a lie, which is the way it's sometimes used in modern language. What is the original understanding of the word myth, and, and how does that differ from this modern understanding? Well, myth, I think, uh, grew out religiously in the, in, in the primitive cultures from uh, a very primitive religion, which was animism, in which the different uh, elements of nature all had personalities, and they were the gods and goddesses. And then they began telling story, stories about these uh, various heroes and gods and goddesses. And the mythology developed, and they were fairy tales. They were stories that were made up to tell and to teach deep and, and meaningful truths. So if you take the, the, the myth of the, the Minotaur, for instance, which lives in the, in the labyrinth underneath the palace of the king, wow, there's really cool symbolism there about the monster that lives deep in the dark within all of us underneath our, our glittering facades. And, and it's, it's a sexual beast and it's a dark beast and it's a beast that devours young people and so forth. It, so there's lots of uh, really interesting uh, symbolism going on there. But nobody ever suggested that underneath the palace of the king of, 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 of Greece, there was a real monster monster right okay. presumably not i mean and again on, on a even more basic level or primal level uh, myth just meaning story then in that sense we can say that christ himself tells myths not lies in his parables so there's so the story of the prodigal son the prodigal son never existed as a as a real life person he's a figment of our lord's imagination um it's a story that didn't happen in fact but nonetheless of course teaches us many valuable lessons in terms of truth about who we are our relationship with others our relationship with god etc okay so with that understanding of myth I mean, we, we, you and i are both lovers of, of, of tolkien and we and we talk about this all the time and lewis and tolkien talked about the true myth which might appear to be paradoxical what did tolkien mean by the true myth and how does that relate to to mythology in the bible well lewis and tolkien of course were both deeply immersed in myth because of their interest in literature and, and tolkien's an interest especially in in the uh, mythology of northern europe and and the ancient mythology of the of the Norse mythology and so forth, and uh, they were fascinated by myth and the way myth worked, and as you just said, in this deep psychological way, in this deep cultural way within humanity, telling the stories of humanity and telling our stories in this symbolic and make believe ways through folk tales and fairy tales and myths and and fiction and all these all this stuff, and Lewis especially was intrigued by this uh, when he overheard a, an atheist in the common room in Oxford, uh, a noted atheist, was reading a paper and just happened to say offhand, it seems that dying and rising God myth seems it might really have happened. And Lewis picked up on this snippet of conversation and it, the Lord planted it in his mind and that then led to the conversation with Tolkien, which is so famous, where um, I believe it was Lewis said, you know, this was really a myth like any other myth. And then uh, Tolkien said, yes, but it was a myth that really happened. Right, exactly. Um, in fact, Tol Lewis said in that at that long night talk, as he called it, which was September 19th, 1931, that myths are just lies and therefore worthless, even though breathed through silver. Right, that's it. That's and then, the uh, yeah, and then, and, then, and then, of course, Tolkien said, no, they're not lies. And that's when he uh, enunciated his understanding of of. Christianity is the myth that really happened. Myth become fact, where the story and all, all the, the fulfillment and consummation of all story becomes incarnate in the great story, which is the story of salvation history. So, which brings us, of course, 
right back to, to our topic, which is the Bible. So how do you see this mythological dimension, this true mythological dimension in Scripture? Well, first, first of all, before we get to the Bible and the, uh, the Old Testament, the other thing about the pagan myths, however they were told, whether it's just Aesop's fables or whether it's the deep myths of the Greeks or the Romans or whatever ancient culture is telling these myths, all of them in one way or another, and some of them, to be honest, are really outrageous and, and they're, they're, they're kind of stupid. They're so outrageous. Um, the, some of the Egyptian myths of creation myths and so forth are just weird. Okay, but all of them in one way or another to a greater or lesser extent are beginning to point to the true myth, the myth that really happened, uh, with the- with its particular themes and its characters. So you do find the theme of the dying and rising God. You do find the theme of the Virgin Mother. You do find the theme of the Queen of Heaven. You do find the theme of the King of Heaven. You do find the theme of the God who comes to earth, the, the one who's born uh, in a very humble circumstance and the hero who, hero who overcomes evil. You, you find all these themes in ancient myth and ancient literature. And in each in their own way, to a greater or lesser extent, right across the globe, are pointing us, they're archetypes, they're, they're shadows of what is to come. And I believe that the Old Testament stories did this as well, ex- with the unique distinction that in the Old Testament, the writers of the Old Testament present these stories as having really happened to real people in history. There are only very few illustrations in the Old Testament of, of what we might term fiction. Right. Uh, the scholars believe that the book of Job might be a, a drama, an ancient right. drama, or right. like a parable or fiction. Some believe that the story of Jonah, Jonah and the whale um, is more of a fairy tale and a myth. Um, I don't agree with that, but some believe that it's fantastical elements being swallowed by great fish is, 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 is a myth. I, I don't believe that. I, I believe that the stories are all... if if not historically accurate, are rooted in real historical events right. and real historical people. Right. Allowing that there for a certain amount of um, elaboration and growth in, in which a, a historical story might become legend, the way the stories of... There's a real King Arthur, but there's lots of legends about him too. Right. So we can allow for that, whilst, but, but what we don't allow is that the stories are, are totally made up. Yeah, and one thing that's I think very important within the context of this conversation is that it, it was something that Chesterton said. He said that many people that study comparative religion sort of use the argument that because there are similarities between all of the various stories and myths and religions, therefore none of them are true. And he said, well, that's very illogical. He said, if one of them were true, you'd expect all the other stories in some, way, in some sense to reflect that one true story or to converge <coughs> towards it. So we would expect, if Christianity were true, for it to be reflected in, 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 in all efforts by humanity to, to come to the truth. Yeah, C.S. Lewis says that somewhere too. I, I forget where, when he says, I'm not disturbed by the fact that there are similarities between uh, Christianity and the pagan myths. He says, what would disturb me if there weren't any similarities? Right, exactly. Yeah, if, you know, if, if, it, di- if it didn't harmonize with the human experience throughout the centuries, um, it, you know, it wouldn't be true. But of course, there are things revolutionary about uh, Christianity, such as uh, such as the incarnation or is there are they prefigments of that in myth that if you like are fulfilled in christianity oh i think they're there everywhere everywhere uh, let's say, let's take one of the themes that runs through uh, is as a commonplace in ancient literature and that is of the hero who goes down into the underworld to save his beloved and bring them back again um now we see this fulfilled in the true myth of jesus who dies and goes into the realm of death 
and uh, goes, we say he descended into hell. He descended into the underworld and, and led cap- captives, uh, led death captivity captive. He freed all, all of the saints. He freed all of the those who were born before him who had faith and so forth. And so he, this is the true myth, that going into the underworld and redeeming. Well, when you read the Old Testament, you come across the story of the patriarch Joseph. You might remember who was sold into slavery by his brothers. They throw him down into a well, into a pit. Um, they depart and leave him for dead. They then come back and raise him up, and he goes into Egypt, and again, he is dead to them. But in Egypt, he survives, uh, and he's the one who saves them from starvation many decades later. And this is a mythical story. It works like a myth. The hero goes down into the underworld. He goes. He is, as it were, dead. He rises again to save his beloved, to save his family. But in the Old Testament, it's presented as this was a real family, Right. He had he really did have 11 brothers. They did sell him into slavery. He did go down. He was tempted by Potiphar's wife. He became a ruler in Egypt, and he saved his family later. So it sort of makes sense of Tolkien when Tolkien says that all myth contains splintered fragments of the one true light that comes from God. You can see salvation history where, where actually these mythological tropes yeah. are actually present as historical facts now, the myth that really happened historically uh, and how all the other stories that didn't happen as fact somehow reflect that one ultimate story which is threaded through history as a reality. Yeah, and what is so exciting by this and intriguing is that it's only in the Hebrew religion where these mytho- so-called mythological stories are presented as historical and that they really happened. Okay, if you take the, the Adam and Eve story, um, there are lots of creation myths in many different societies. Almost every culture has a creation myth, some story about how the world came to be and the beginning of the world and beginning of human beings. The Hebrews have one too. It's this beautiful story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And there are definitely mythological elements, okay? The serpent is a typical sim- mythological symbol of evil, of the earth powers, of all that kind of stuff. Um, and it works like in a mythological way in that story, but the writers, even in the story of Genesis, of Adam and Eve, present it as historical. Why? Because they're very careful to, to record the genealogy of, a- of Adam down through right. to Abraham, right. and they attempt to put it in a real geographical place. Right. So they're saying, this really happened. Yes. So even with Adam and Eve, right, right through the Old Testament, these are mythological stories that work on us like myth. We have to say we don't want to call them myth. They work on us like myth, but they're historical. Yeah, and, and, and next we're using the word myth uh, as uh, synonymous with the word story. And of course, you know, our our lives are a life story. Right. History is a, a story. We can say that history is his story. So the point is, we're living in a story. So stories are not necessarily untrue, right? Um, so that's the whole point about it, it it's weaving it's seeing how the story which it exists in fact right uh is re- resonates in those stories which do not exist in fact they exist in the imagination i'm just being cautious because i don't want listeners to go away and say father longenecker and joseph pierce says that the bible's a myth okay <laughs> well that's why we just clarified that point, <laughs> we, right, <laughs> right. We're, we're saying that it works on us like myths do but that that really happens so we're not saying it's pretend and it's fairy tale when we say that it's a myth we're saying it works on us like in that same way resonating deeply within our yeah. hearts or we could even look at the other way around yeah. is that is that that, that that the bible presents to us the true story the right. true myth the true myth as tolkien would say the true story and all other stories in some way reflect in the imagination 
what is being presented in salvation history in, in the Christian faith. In this great saga from Adam and Eve right through the Old Testament in which God is interacting in, with real people in real places in real time because eventually he himself is going to come to a real place in a real time to real people uh, in the incarnation. And so th- th- that theme is there from the beginning all the way through, which makes this uh, this whole discussion really, I think, very exciting. Oh, yes, exactly. And we are actually speaking in this Faith and Culture podcast within that great story. We are part of that story as it is being told through providence in history, which is indeed an exciting thing to, to realize that we are part of this divine story, this divine symmetry that's that's writing history for us, if you like. Exactly. Father Dwight, thanks so much for being a guest. This has been uh, another Faith and Culture podcast of the Augusta Institute. I've been your host, Joseph Pierce, and please do join me again next time. Until then, goodbye and God bless. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Faith and Culture with Joseph Pierce. Faith and Culture is a production of the Augustan Institute. For more information, please visit us at faithandculture.com.